Hey, so um, for the next several weeks, and then if you're plugged into a community group, you're going to see something different, unique, something I'm extraordinarily excited for. One of our values here at the Mission Church is that we would be a church of disciples. Now get this that actually go and make disciples. Crazy idea, right? Um, And the reason why is because we believe that that Jesus has called us to that, um, to be disciples that actually go and make disciples. And and, and it's something that I think not a lot of us um, are maybe naturally given towards that, namely because I'm not sure that, that the local church has done an incredible job of equipping you to be disciples that go and make disciples. And so that's going to be one of the, the, the bigger things that we're going to be focusing on in the months ahead. And here's how we're going to do that. Um, probably the most effective way to make new disciples is to be able to tell your own story and how Jesus saved you. Now, this might not be all of you, but how many of you, you have a story in which Jesus has saved you? You can just say amen. Yeah. Amen. Maybe wave your hand up there. Yeah, amen. Wave a hand wave. Um, I think the reality is a lot of us, we've never taken the time to actually sit down and rehearse how God has saved us, reminded ourselves of how God has saved us. And, and, and so our aim, our hope is that over the next several months, you would be equipped to share your own story of how Jesus is the hero of it and how Jesus saved you. And so we're going to do really two practical things in the months ahead. One is uh, there's going to be a number of Sundays, not every Sunday, but a number of Sundays where someone from our church is going to come and share their own story and how Jesus saved them. And uh, it's going to be incredible. It's going to bless you. And it's also going to make you think about how you share your own story, too. Um, and then here's the other thing that we're going to do. Okay, this is going to take a lot of vulnerability. Um, uh, pretty much all of our community groups, we're asking the community group leaders to take 10 or 15 minutes out of every meeting to give each and every one of you guys an opportunity to share your story with your community group of how Jesus saved you. And so if you're nervous or scared, we're not going to force you to do this. Uh, The leader is, in fact, supposed to be the first one that's going to do it. Um, But so over the next several months, we're just going to be hearing one another's stories as part of our gatherings together here on Sunday mornings and um, in our community groups. Are you guys excited? Okay. Totally not as excited as I am. That's okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. So um, here's what I'm going to do here. Um, I'm going to pray for Jessica because it takes a lot to come up here, right? And she's going to share her story, and then we're going to jump into God's word. Um, Father, just a quick prayer for Jessica. Um, We praise you that you saved her and that, that her identity is in you and that she has a new life because of that, a new identity because of that. There is, there is so much power in your gospel. Um, and I pray that the power of the gospel that has been at work and is still at work in Jessica's life, that the, the power of the gospel would be poured out onto us today. Please remind her that you are with her right now and allow her story to speak to 
those who really need to hear it. And everyone said with me, amen. amen. All right, Jessica, I'm going to pass things off to you. Fat, ugly, and stupid. Worthless failure. Unlovable slob. Clumsy fool. This was my identity for the first 16 years of my life. I lived and breathed shame. I hated myself, my body, my life. I wanted to die, but I didn't have the gall to do anything about it except complain a whole lot. I hated my parents, in part because I was so sure they hated me. Marriage and children were not on my radar because I had never seen a man love a woman well. But that didn't stop me from seeking attention and validation from boys. My parents separated when I was six months old and officially divorced a year later, so I've never known a life of them together. The aftermath of the divorce was messy and left us all with wounds and scars. I believed abortion was an act of mercy, because why would anyone want to bring life into such a horrible and hopeless world? In my brokenness, I turned to eating disorders, because maybe if I was skinny enough, I could finally earn someone's love. I turned to academic achievements, because maybe if I had enough awards, my parents would finally tell me I was good enough. I turned to overbooking my schedule, and overcommitting to way too many things, because maybe if I did enough stuff and people saw I was so busy, they'd think I was important, and they'd want me because I was a limited commodity. I grew up attending a church that taught me more about never being Asian enough than it did about Jesus or his tremendous love. I called myself a Christian, but one day I realized I didn't actually know anything about the Christian faith. There was a local church, Renton Park Chapel, near my high school, and I had a youth group, and a guy in my class, the pastor's son, was leading a Bible study with his mom on Sunday nights. And something, I didn't know what it was at the time, but something prompted me to try it out, and I could never have imagined what was in store. The Rice family, this pastor's family that led and hosted the Bible study, they wrecked my world. Through this family, Jesus scandalized me with his love. He used them to teach me foundational truths about himself. They welcomed me into their home. They taught me the most basic aspects of the Bible and Jesus that any good Christian ought to know. In this family, I saw a husband who loved his wife well. I saw a mother who adored her children and whose children adored her back. I saw siblings who actually enjoyed each other's company and invited them to join their friends. I saw a love for the Bible and a way of teaching that articulated truths I didn't know my heart needed to hear. I saw the overwhelming abstraction of God's word become clear, and I saw how incredibly he demonstrated his unconditional love for us. For the first time in my life, I was invited into fellowship, invited into a warm and loving family, pursued and prayed for. These people prayed for me as a family. Who does that? with all my baggage and my drama and my immaturity and ignorance and social awkwardness, they still invited me in. When I overstayed my welcome on summer nights at 3 a.m., because teenagers can do that, they kept letting me into their home. They kept letting me listen in to their theological conversations around the fire. They kept inviting me to Beth's Cafe for 12 egg omelets and milkshakes. But how could these people love me when I was ordinary, arrogant, gossiping, jealous, and downright delusional? How could these people tolerate my presence? How, what would motivate them to pray for me as a family when I was so obnoxious and foolish? 
and I have to confess, it freaked me out sometimes. I tested their love for me, and I often felt ashamed of my behavior, my ignorance, my social ineptitude. But something kept drawing me back to them. I was so sure it was only a matter of time before they exiled me from their loving home, but their doors kept opening, and their love without conditions kept overwhelming me. How could they keep loving me? Why were they so patient and kind and hospitable and raw and real and honest? How could they love this person who had only ever known an identity of unlovable? Why didn't they see me as the same failure that my family did? This Sunday night Bible study, this community transformed how I see the world. They showed me something, they showed me Jesus in ways beyond my comprehension. Jesus used all of them to give me something I never thought I could have. Hope. Hope that things could be different. Hope that the triune God is big enough to break generations of trauma and brokenness and shame. Hope that nothing and no one is beyond redemption. But Jesus didn't stop there. In the summer of 2007, God challenged me to believe, to really believe in the depths of my soul that his love for me was absolutely unconditional. He surrounded me with Christians as a summer staffer at Sambika Camp over on Lake Sammamish. And it was the first time I had lived with Christians. I was so convinced I'd never fit in. And they were certainly not perfect, but they were so kind and welcoming. And God made it very clear that he was demonstrating his conditionless love through them. During college, I connected with Mars Hill Church, where Jesus taught me more about theology. How he chose me from before time began. He chose to pursue me and love me and teach me and save me, not only from eternal suffering, but from my own personal demons here and now. He didn't just give me fire insurance and leave me to my own devices. He was my heavenly father who would heal the wounds from my very broken earthly family. His Holy Spirit would guide me on the path to redemption, of redemption and restoration. When that church closed its doors, my husband and I stayed through the aftermath. And in all honesty, watching our church die and losing my first baby in the midst of that has left me with a lot of scars. I crave the community we had, and I'm kind of terrified to try and build it again. I crave the sense of belonging but it's so easy to believe the lie that I will never have that, that I will never fit in. But because of what Jesus has done, because he died on the cross to save me from my sins and bring me into the fold of God, he has claimed me as a member of his family. He has claimed me as his own and given me a place to belong for eternity. When I feel lonely and isolated, he is still present. I still have hard days. I don't think I'm very good at loving people unconditionally like the Rice family loved on me. The, dar the darkness of depression and anxiety and hopelessness, they still knock at my door, especially with pregnancy hormones. I take up the shackles of sin and condemnation from which he has already freed me. But my mighty God is always faithful to supersede my personal struggles and the lies that tempt me to forget my true identity. Redeemed, beloved, daughter. Um, you know what's amazing? Like, she's our sister in Christ. I don't, I don't know if that, so how many of you have a sister? 
Yes? Okay, awesome. And like she's our sister in Christ. And um, I just uh, thank you so much for your story. And I, I'm just going to give a moment where I want you to just pray a silent prayer for Jessica. I don't know if you it heard in her story or her t-shirt helps. There's a baby <laughs> in there. Um, but let's pray. Can you just pray a prayer for 20-second prayer? for Jess and then I'll and then I'll pray. Father, I praise you. I praise you for Jessica. I praise you that you opened her heart to receive you. I praise you for putting the Rice family in her life. I praise you for the courage this family had. I praise you for their willingness to let a teenage girl, of all things, in their home that late, that often. And I thank you that you have saved Jessica. I thank you for the work of redemption you are continually to do in her life. And we pray for her. This is our sister in Christ. We pray that you, like she said, would break these this generations of past unbelief in you. And would you take her and her husband, Josh, would you, Jesus, be the very center of their marriage? Would you give them a deep love for one another, but most of all, a deep love for you together? Would you empower them with your Holy Spirit to raise their son, James, in a way that honors and glorifies you and makes him a follower of you? And for a little baby to come, protection over baby. I pray, I pray over this child that is to come that you would use this child for your glory and your name. And you would bring this child to salvation at a very young age. And that their life and that their family would make much of you. Lord, you have given each of us a story saving us. Would you stir up in us just a, a newness of what you have done for us and an awe and a wonder that you're continuing to do it. Give us courage. Give Jess courage. I pray for open doors. Would you give her open doors to share this story with people who don't know you, people who are depressed, people who are in a family where they feel unloved, give Jessica the opportunity to share how you saved her and that you would use her story to bring many to salvation. We pray all these things and everyone said, amen. amen.